Today's guest is Tom Frazier, CEO of Redivider. Now, Tom himself has a longstanding career originating in information security for, you name it, the biggest government programs, the, the biggest digital assets you could think of. He was part of making sure that was secure. And throughout his journey, he found his way all the way over to edge computing. And this episode was really an education for me as well to understand the impact that the amount of data we're using and creating today is how it impacts directly our ecology on the planet. This isn't one of those, you know, uh, episodes where we're going to be waxing poetic about the environment. No, we're looking at direct impact, both fiscally and social impact, how it affects the ecology, not only the environment, but the social environment and people involved and what that looks like. Uh, this is one of those conversations where we get a chance to talk to an entrepreneur that can really see things 10 years ahead and really think about how a workforce and, and the labor force is going to be impacted and really innovating. And even Tom goes so far as to share where he believes he would love to see other entrepreneurs start up because it's important. The, the size of the problem he's trying to solve is really going to need allies. So if you're ready to sink your teeth into this conversation, I guarantee you you're going to enjoy it. There is a good chance you'll learn something from this. At least I did, you know, but I hold myself to a certain standard. So I'm, I'm always saying I don't know anything. Uh, so I think you'll love this conversation. I'm pretty convinced of that. Tom, uh, CEO of Free Divider. When I when I looked over the notes, you've looked over multiple industries in the digital world for many years, uh, and I've got to say, you've basically yeah. seen one hype cycle after another, right? And most people get all caught up. It was it was Web three and you know cryptocurrencies, and then it dropped, and then AI came in. So you've seen these. I want to borrow from your experience because it'd be a missed opportunity if I didn't. What is important to understand about hype cycles and how they impact whether or not a technology is going to succeed? I know it's a big question, but I feel like you're the guy qualified for that. Wow, that's a, one. Thank you. And two, that is a huge question. Um, you know, I think that as new technologies come into play, there, there's kind of two parts to it. One is how, how novel they are and the other is how useful they are. And generally, the the novelty is pretty easy to spot, right? Blockchain is this distributed ledger or artificial intelligence and generative AI and how that can, you know, make images and text and do all kinds of stuff. The novelty is uh, quite apparent. And I think that's the, the driver of that, any sort of hype cycle. The usefulness though, that's where it comes into play with how it fits into what the world already has, right? So if you think about, you know, the, the trough of disillusionment where blockchain is right now. Everyone loved the idea and they're like, you know, shoehorning it into every use case. But the reality for blockchain is it it's not a one size fits all. It's not the solution to everything. And so the usefulness of it has to be in places that make a lot of sense. AI, same thing, except I would say AI's usefulness is across every industry. It's across every job, it's across every discipline. And uh, so as we see these hype cycles go, you know, the, the media, we never really talk about the ones that failed, the failed technologies, right? We don't talk about the uh, Betamax, right? Or the Laserdisc, wow. you know? <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we talk about DVDs when we say something's on a disc. And so, that, you know, it just goes to that usefulness element that um, we should spend more time talking about. 
Yeah, man. And that's exactly what you're doing. If I understand Redivider correctly is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Okay. Uh, it's a learning moment for me. Cloud computing was one thing and now edge computing is the next level of that. Yes. No. Uh, they're, they're different ideas, but they're very related. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So then how do you go from a career in info security? Uh, you know, like you're protecting these assets for like the largest companies. Is it, was it just a natural transition to step into edge computing, which I think is also tied to the internet of things? Is that sort of correct? Yeah. Think of, um, think of it this way. There's something that creates data and then that data has to be transported around and used. So the idea of cloud computing was you put all of the resources in a few places, you really consolidate it, and now you can get economies of scale. So a developer can build something into the cloud that all the equipment already exists. That's much easier than buying a server, getting a, a place to put that server, configuring the server, then writing your piece, but you have all this underlying stuff you have to deal with. So it's basically cloud is just outsourcing that infrastructure as a service. The idea for Edge is all of that infrastructure still exists, but now we're going to push it closer to where the consumers are or closer where that data is going to be used. So an easy example, everyone's getting new phones you know, every year, two years, and all the new phones are 5G. Well, 5G, all the telcos have promised, man, these things are way faster and all this stuff. But that's only true if the data that's going on your phone and you're using can be computed faster also. So Edge, one use case for Edge is put the computing center near the cell phone tower. And now all of a sudden, you can really feel the gains of the speeds that 5G can deliver. Otherwise, if you have a really fast connection, but it has to go super far, then get computed and then come back again, you know, it, it may not feel a lot faster. So so that's kind of how Edge fits in. It's, it's like... Um, uh, the next layer of fabric of the internet, if that makes sense. No, it, it helped a lot. Uh, I, I threw out the alphabet soup and all these terms that I've heard thrown around specifically because I know that's where most of the laymen are and myself included, right? I, I've interviewed a few people on this in the past, but it, I still didn't wrap my head around it. But I do love the concept you just gave me of, I mean, it's close to the edge of where the tower is, is one way I'll remember that, right? Like just put the just put the server right there and then boom, it's faster, yeah. right? So for me, that'll click, that'll stay. So now what is your mission with Redivider in relation to that work? So uh, when everyone started working from home, uh, a couple years ago, it it somewhat broke the the promise of how the internet worked. Right? It used to be a football field size data center in a really big internet pipe to a large downtown office building, and so it was it was pretty rigid. All the computing power you could just buy really long pieces of fiber and connect everything up. Well, now that people are working from home, it's far more decentralized. So the computing requirements are more geographic than they were before by orders of magnitude. So when that happened, that was finally the aha moment where me and my partners said, hey, Edge finally has the killer use case, right? People are now working everywhere. The advent of smart cities and you know how computer vision is uh, changing how traffic patterns work in cities and uh, you know all, all these kind of things. We're like, now's the time to, to build an edge platform. 
And so we thought, you know, what do we stand for as human beings? How do we want to fit into the internet? How do we want to make this work? And we really decided on two major ideas that are the drivers of Redivider. Uh, the first is sustainability. You know, if you if you think most people don't really imagine the sustainability impact of data, right? It's very like nebulous concept, right? Um, but we're growing our data uh, at just astronomical rates, right? So it, it's about five times the amount of data will be created in the next five years. So to put that in perspective, if you were to take the beginning of mankind until about 2020, all of the data prior to 2020 is less than the data between 2020 and now, and it's going to be five times larger than that going forward into 2025. Whoa. So that volume of data is huge. People can't fathom the amount of data humanity is creating. So that has a big sustainability component to it. You know, people don't think of uh, like ChatGPT. You have an average little conversation with ChatGPT. That sucks down the equivalent of a water bottle, right? A little kind of one of these. Yeah. That's how much water gets consumed from one conversation with ChatGPT. And the power that drives these computers is growing also at an exponential rate. So we're the data center industry globally is probably going to be four times the amount of power than it is today. And my prediction, it, it's a sad one, but I, I'm, I've publicly stated it before, humanity has to choose. Do we want to keep using TikTok or do we want to save the planet? And unfortunately, <laughs> I think humanity is going to choose TikTok. And that means I think we're going to start turning back on coal power plants, which is terrible for the planet. So we've designed our facilities to be very focused on sustainability uh, from the beginning. They're all prefabricated in a factory. So we can really be far more efficient with what goes in them. We can account for them in more detail. So sustainability is one. And the other big one is uh, social impact. If, if you think of... Uh, uh, again, football field size data center. They go into a town that gives them the best deal. They use a national contractor to build it. They leave and all the knowledge workers, all the intellectual property gets pushed into a location like Silicon Valley. So what these towns are left with is a huge building that has created very little economic development or social capital for that community itself. And so by building these facilities to be really small, think of the size of like a, a big rig truck, right? You know, they're like that kind of form factor. By putting these smaller facilities in a lot of places and we go into these towns, we can use local contractors to install them because they're a lot smaller. We can create social impact programs for education and job training that are far greater than the employment opportunities at Redivider. So our goal is 25 times the number of people we hire, we train. And so these core ideas of sustainability and social impact are what we think will deliver the next generation of the fabric of the internet. Well said, brother. Sorry if that was a lot. No, 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 no. That was exactly what people needed to hear. You know, I'm in California, Los Angeles, and we hear it all the time. Hey, be mindful of your water usage. And they're, you know, they're guarding drinking water and washing your clothes and, you know, watering your lawn, which I think is a crazy idea in California. Uh, but never do we hear, hey, be mindful of the data you're using that is draining water that is creating that whole situation. And it's something that just, 
isn't part of the rhetoric uh, being tossed around in relation to what's online. And with good reason, the last thing uh, any social channel wants you to know is exactly how much of that they're using to give you what they what they use for their own bottom line, right? So it's a real conundrum as well, because it's not just TikTok, but we have these technologies that are now like large language models, right? And other versions uh, of those uh, uh, transformers that are just like, totally eating up these resources. I remember seeing it kind of casually on Twitter, that x.com, you know how that goes. And and so I've seen yeah. I've seen that conversation thrown around. So for to hear it from someone like you who's in the muck, who's in there working and trying to change those things is really revealing to me and educational for me to know that. So with that said, I think uh, some important things are, are are to be asked here. Number one, were you bootstrapping this, or have you been in the in the game long enough that you were able to sort of uh, gather some resources and raise funds to to help your mission? Yeah, great question. Uh, you can't really bootstrap a data center business. Number <laughs> I was going to say mean, the, the, <laughs> the, the the capital required. Uh, you know, th these large facilities range from hundreds of millions of dollars to billions of dollars. Um, our our form factors are in the tens of millions of dollars per, uh, but it's still the same basic unit economics. And so when we decided this sustainability and social impact was our path, we went really deep down the rabbit hole of what's the best way to do that. And we settled on opportunity zones. And we're like, cool, we've, we found our, our, uh, our path. And then it's like, well, in order to be a qualified opportunity zone business, you have to get money from an opportunity zone fund. So we're like, okay. So we go and talk to a bunch of these funds and, you know, it's not a well understood program, a federal program. And, you know, not a lot of people are into it for the data center industry. It's usually just like apartment buildings and stuff. So we ended up creating an opportunity zone fund and then getting investors to invest in that fund and that fund ended up being the uh, first set of investment for Redivider as a business. So yeah, technically we have a fund and a business. You know what? That that seems like the only way uh, when I when I listen to what you're working on, that that would have worked. You sort of had to be an entrepreneur and founder of that fund in order to make this idea possible. What was that moment like for you, like internally, when you realized that's what you were going to have to do to get this thing to realize? It's like eating an elephant, man. I mean, <laughs> it's a gargantuan task and it's one foot in front of the other you know, until you make progress. And especially with our approach, you know, we're, we're coming at it from a uh, factory production basis, right? We're hiring, like the other problem with the traditional data center uh, build out is the atrophy and the worse, you know, the there's not a lot of new people going into the construction industry. And so that average age is gone like plus eight years, like from whatever it is, 45 to 53, uh, just in the past two years alone. So the young guys aren't coming in, young women aren't coming in. The average age is getting older and the population is getting smaller because the oldest ones are retiring. So these traditional stick-built buildings are not taking 18 months anymore, they're taking two years, and then they're going to take three years, et cetera, et cetera. And so our model of doing this with prefabricated in a factory, our goal is to go from dirt to a live data center in 30 days. And we can do that 
by having a library of designs that accommodate different use cases. So we have a design for high-density AI applications, cases for, you know, like a critical workload or a smart city workload. You know, we have all these different modules and that that just takes an incredible amount of time and energy and intelligence from a lot of people to build what that looks like in the supply chain to, del- to deliver that, to then have a factory system that allows us to pump these out on a, you know, a, a couple of them per week basis. And, you know, we've, we're just going through that process and, and biting that elephant off one, one piece at a time. Man, I get the feeling that you're the kind of entrepreneur that is working on, and your team as well, working on such a large problem that you are also aware of other areas that if other people were more inclined to go build and start and 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 work through, uh, it would help the entire ecosystem of what you're building. So because there are entrepreneurs that are listening to this, is there any areas or pockets in the ecosystem that you're working in that you're inviting that you would invite other entrepreneurs to consider and look into for startups to 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 capture a segment of that and be able to help facilitate the development of this mission? Uh, great question. I've got kind of two-part answer. One is philosophical as an entrepreneur and the other is more specific uh, to your question. So th- to answer your question, I think the the biggest gap right now that I see in the data center space is how you shift a workload to another facility. So if you're running some job, you know, the routing of that job today is basically where is the cheapest place for me to do that work? But as we move forward in time, being an entrepreneur, you, uh, I, I have the luxury of thinking about things for the 10 years in the future. And so do you, so does everybody. Uh, the great entrepreneurs think in that unit of measure. Uh, but what if you wanted to route your workload based on the carbon footprint to achieve the output? Or what if you wanted to do it based on the highest social impact, right? The board level initiatives of major companies all have these self-mandated uh, agendas of sustainability and social impact and others, like a lot of other things too. And there isn't a lot of development right now in that workload management of how you would route Stuff. So I think that would be a beautiful place for, you know, uh, an IT insider to to work on. Uh, but more philosophically, as an entrepreneur, what should you work on? Uh, I, I see this problem all the time. I've probably, I mean, I, I ran a an incubator, so I've helped incubate maybe seventy companies in my my life. And um, the one, the entrepreneurs that fail are the ones that are focused on this their solution. Like I built this thing. I'm proud of it. It's my my baby, I'm going to protect it. And anyone who gives critical feedback, they don't, they don't get me, you know, the really great ones are the ones that focus on the problem. And they'll iterate that solution a thousand times to solve that problem. And so I would encourage any entrepreneur, what problem do you see in your domain of expertise? And that lends you credibility and come up with a solution to that problem, test it, know that your solution probably is terrible the first time and iterate the solution to try to keep solving that problem that that would be my core advice um i'm all about it man especially as somebody who had to raise your own fund just to get your company off the ground it just goes to show how enormous this 
mission is going to have to be and the amount of work that's going to go into it. So that's why I'm really glad that you were able to open up and sort of offer some insight as to where someone might be able to be a part of that. Because as we know, all big problems are just smaller problems that are waiting to be solved in uh, in conjunction to get working together, right? And so I see that's the way yeah. you're moving. I see that's the way you're working, right? So uh, in, in the in respective time, I want you to have the roll, the red carpet rolled out for you. And I want you to let people know what it is you really want them to know about what you're working on currently, some kind of call to action and, and where they can go connect with you, whether it's LinkedIn or your website to learn more and to be in touch with you. Yeah, you can find us uh, on our website is redivider.co. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, you know, send me an email, uh, Tom at redivider.co uh, to get in touch with me. Um, you know, really for people to to get involved or think about what we're doing, it, it's kind of highlighting uh, the core idea that the world is shifting towards, right? And I'll just use United Nations as, as an example. The United Nations has this group of things called SDGs, sustainability, sustainability Development Goals, you know, like no poverty, no hunger, you know, like very high level concepts. and I encourage people to, to go inspect those and learn about them and see how you can create a company to solve some of those big problems. And you might be solving a small piece of that. Like, you know, even though Redivider is this like massive thing trying to change computing, that's still like a, a slice of these bigger ideas. And so I would encourage people to, to think about where humanity is going and to focus on things that are important. You know, I'm a dad, I have two kids and, um, you know, I want to make sure that the things I instill in my children, I embody in myself, and that's focusing on uh, people and then the planet. And because I'm an entrepreneur, if I do those two things, hopefully I get a much higher profit as well. Yeah, man. I, I love that you have a double, triple bottom line to the way that you're operating. You know, not many people do. And it's always evident in the types of conversations someone can have, right? I mean, we could have had this conversation go anywhere, but it directly uh, went straight for a beeline for some of the higher concepts at tow and how they impact what you do. Very similar to that, you know, watch what you think because it creates a feeling and that feeling then creates an action sort of uh, sequence. And th this was truly an episode and a conversation that embodied that all while at the same time, letting people know about the enormous impact you're looking to make, not only sustainability, but social impact. Uh, it's rare that I hear uh, an entrepreneur uh, be cognizant of anything that may be disrupted or that needs to be disrupted, what the workforce looks like as that thing begins to transform. It was truly, truly awesome to meet you. And uh, I've, I've got some people that come to mind that I think would work great with you. Whether or not it's actually true, I'll have to see after this uh, conversation. But I can't thank you enough uh, for, for just opening up and keeping it all the way 100. Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.